0: looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: Well, because of us following the Lord, we want to follow Him appropriately. And so He comes alongside and he says, I'd like to share with you how that you can have a better life and also have better relationships with other people. And he does that in this great book here. It's called the Bible. Now, the Bible isn't a book to take away our fun. It's actually a book to show us how that we can have a very enriching life, a life with a lot more joy in it if we learn what it has to say. And by faith, at times, we just don't understand. We just do what God says. You know, God really blesses us. Now, we've been studying one particular book in the Bible, which is the book of James. And that happens to be the wisdom book or the book of Proverbs of the New Testament. And we're in a section of Scripture, James chapter 4, and it's a section on judging other people. But the Lord doesn't just say, don't judge other people. He also says, yes, you ought not to judge other people, but let me show you how to break the habit of judging other people. And when we learn to do that, it brings more joy to ourselves and it strengthens and makes healthier relationships with others when we learn not to judge other people. It's so nice to pastor people that you don't have to worry about what they're saying about him behind their back. And even if you did, I know that God will take care of me and God will take care of you. And together we're going to build each other up. So today we're going to learn about how to break the bad habit of judging other people. And I know that we all do it from time to time. And after we do, we really hate it when we hear someone else doing it we feel, like that's stink talk and we don't want to do stink talk with other people in the middle 60s there was a book that was written by a gentleman named Eric Byrne you might remember the book it was called games people play shortly after that it seems like there's always a takeoff from Christian writers on what the world writes and so he wrote a book another person wrote a book called games Christians play it was a very interesting game because it was talking about games that Christians play Christians play a lot of games, but I think the most deadliest game that Christians can play is the game of playing God. And we do that often when we begin to judge other people, and it's very easy to see that in Scripture we need to learn that when we are beginning to judge other people, we set ourselves up as playing God in their life and sometimes even come to the point of not just analyzing them or critiquing them. We step over that line out of bounds and we get into condemning them, and that's really not a good thing to do. Let me just take you to a portion of Scripture that we're going to look at as our base, but we're going cover a lot of verses today. God is so loud and so frequent speaking about judging that it's it's all over scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. Let me read to you for just a moment James chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, and here's what it says. Brethren, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, God, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Well, I want you to know that I ought not to judge you, you ought not to judge me, and that there really is only one judge, and it is God. Because I'm going to show you something very special about our God who does judge and how He teaches us by a way He judges to help us relate better with other people. So here's what we're going to hopefully learn today. I want to talk about the subject of why do people really judge and then why we ought not to judge And when judging others is wrong, and then I want to end with, of course, how to break that habit. And so I think if we understand a little bit more the behind the scenes of this, it will begin to motivate us on the seriousness of it so that when we get to the real practical stuff, you'll just pick it up right then because you'll want to be what God wants you to be in it. So let's go ahead with question number one, all right? Why do we like to judge others? Now, I'm just going to submit two reasons to you. It could be many more, but let's just look at these two. We think it excuses us of our own faults. Now we're going to look at Romans chapter two, verse three. It says this. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same thing, do you think you'll escape God's judgment? Well, not hardly. We end up often judging other people. And sometimes when we do, we think that by pointing out other people's faults, that it takes the blame or the finger that's pointed toward us away from us and puts it back on them. So it's almost like we'll blame them to get rid of our own issues over here. And so we think it excuses us from where we are. And God says, that's not the case. Now for that moment, you'll have that little bit of relief. You said something, you focus the attention on the other person so it's off of you, but it's not long before it'll be back on you. If you'd like to see it on a, on a bigger economy, all you have to look at is one political party and what they'll say about the other political party, and then that political party will try to make the other political party look worse, and now you get into the candidates, and then we call that mudslinging. And you know, that's tragic when we see that in the political arena, but it's also tragic when it happens between husband and wife, brothers and sisters, moms and dads. Church people. And you know what? It sure makes going to work difficult, doesn't it? When you have to hear that stuff Monday through Friday all the time. So we think it might excuse us, get the focus off of us, if put it on them. And you know the old story. When you point one finger at someone else, you have how many pointing back at yourself? three. So be careful, it doesn't really excuse us. Here's the second. We think it might appeal to our pride. In other words, we know more than the other person. We're more righteous. We can see the problems that they have. We're really discerning, so we will point that out. So it kind of appeals to our pride. Now let's look at the New Living Translation, Proverbs 26:22. It says, What dainty morsels rumors are, but they sink deep into one's heart. A paraphrase put it this way, gossip is so tasty, how we love to swallow it. Well, I know we don't really eat gossip, but I know that some people, they know this, that knowledge is power. So the more they know, they think, the more power that they have over someone else, or better they are because they're in the know. So whatever information that's out there, whether it's straight talk truth and grace, or whether it's false talk lies, and slander. They're sucking it all in on their lives and how dangerous that is when we do it. And I hope that we would grow to a point that we could get beyond that someday, that we realize that really for us to choose to listen to slander or for us to choose to set ourselves up and begin to judge other people in a negative way, that it doesn't feed our pride. In fact, it wrecks our relationship with the Lord, and it certainly hinders our relationship with other people, because pride is the opposite of humility. And it's really humility that brings people together, and certainly brings us closer to the Lord. Now, there are a couple of types of slanders. One slander is, I call it slander in the first degree. Now you've heard of murder in the first degree and you've heard of murder in the second degree. What's slander in the first degree? That's when it's just blatant right out there. Do you know what they said? Can you believe they did that? They are so... That's what I call slander in the first degree. Now what's slander in the second degree? Slander in the second degree is a little bit more subtle. They're going to say something like this. Do you know that so-and-so has a problem? So why don't you and I get together and we're going to pray for their problem. All right? So it's a little softer, but it is still exposed. A problem that another person has or may not have. And now we're now telling it to someone else. And so we now spiritualize it and climb up on our spiritual cloud above them and think that by praying for them, it works better. And it doesn't. Well, why should I not judge other people? We've talked about some reasons why we tend to do that. Pride is one of it. But the reasons are very easy. Let's go back to our passage in James because it talks about three of the reasons that we should not judge other people. First of all, it's because it's unchristian. Would you look now at verse 11 of chapter four? Here's what it says. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him, and we could put the word brother there, or judges his brother, speaks against the law. Now, here's the point I'd like you to see in this passage. In one small section of just one verse, The word brother is mentioned or referred to not once, not twice, but three times. And so in this passage, it's talking, you brothers don't do this. Now, the implication is this, that that's an unchristian thing to do. Christians ought not to do this. This is something that should not be a part of who we are. Now, you see the word slander there? The word slander actually is another word for the word devil. In fact, you'll also find later on in the book of Revelation... Where what's happening now is Satan is up before God and he is taking those of you who know Christ and he is lying about us to God the Father. And if it wasn't for the Lord who would defend us and speak the truth and to let the Father know, then Satan would essentially have the victory there. And that's called slander. And that's exactly what Satan is doing. Now here's a phrase that you might want to think about. Satan is the father of lies. So whatever Satan is slandering us, usually it's not the whole truth and nothing but the truth. We also know that Satan is known as a murderer. When we slander someone, we're probably not physically killing them, but what we are doing is destroying, like murder, their reputation, their name, their image, and perhaps relationships of health that they could have with other people. So when we begin to judge other people, we're a lot like Satan. We're like the unsaved people who are of their father, the devil. Because we don't speak truth, because we can't ever know the whole truth of a matter, once we're judging them, because we're not God. And secondly, when we do speak, we are destroying their reputation, their name, and often hindering relationships that they might not have. Now listen carefully. Is it possible that we are never more like Satan than when we're judging other people? It's possible. I don't know. But I know this. I don't want to be like Satan. I want to be like the Lord. Now, I can't judge people, but I can do what God says. So, a reason not to judge is because it's unchristian. Secondly, the second one is simple. It's a very important one, just the same. And it's one that I think that each one of us can buy into easily. It's unloving. When we begin to judge other people, I know that we sense in our heart that we really love them. But at the same time, when we judge them, it's an unloving thing. Now I'd like for you to just listen for a moment to what I'm about to say because I want to make sure we're framed and balanced. Is it right or wrong to judge? And the answer to that is simple. It is both right and wrong to judge. The book of Proverbs truly is nothing more than a book of judgment. It talks about wise people and foolish people. It talks about lazy people and diligent people, doesn't it? And so what you're doing is you're having to form a decision. You're discerning, you are judging, you're critiquing. Now there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, God would want us to judge truth, to judge accuracy, especially to be discerning on doctrine and issues like that, to know who's a wise person with whom to have fellowship or not. Now that we said that, when is it wrong? It is wrong when we take that same issue of judging them, analyzing them, seeing that that's not right, and now we begin to condemn them, destroy them, slander them, gossip, and not dealing with it appropriately. And so if we're going to love someone, the greatest way we love them is if we have an issue or we see something in their life that could be maybe put back in order in the right way, is to saturate it with prayer, make sure our life is right, and then go to them first alone and talk to them. Not judgmentally, not condemning, not sting talking, but to love them to the truth. Let's look at this verse, going back to James again. Here's what you read. It says, he who judges speaks against the law. Well, here's the question. Is it illegal to speak against another person? Sometimes it is. It's called slander. But really, in scripture, it's against a different law. It's against the law with a capital L. Now, that law is not so much just the Ten Commandments or all the laws of the Old Testament, but actually, it's a different law. It's the royal law. It's the law that goes like this. First commandment, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. The second law is is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so when we begin to judge someone else, talk about them behind their back and condemn them, then what we're really not doing is loving them. We're not fulfilling the royal law. We're speaking against the royal law. So if we really love them, we will put a roof over what issue they might have. It doesn't mean that we'll condone it, but it does mean that we'll contain it. And if we keep that together, then we can begin to handle this relationship and perhaps put ourselves into a position where that person might then listen to us and we might be able to help them. So it's unloving. Here's the third reason why we shouldn't judge. It's unjustified. Look at this part of the verse. It says, there is only one lawgiver and one judge. Now that phrase, a lawgiver, is found six times in the Old Testament, obviously because there was so much speaking of the law then. It was only spoken about once in the New Testament, lawgiver, and it's found right here. So there's only one lawgiver. Now, who do you think that would be everybody shouted out, Who's the lawgiver? It'd be God. And I know you might think it's Moses, but really he's only giving God's law. So it's God who's the lawgiver. And then there's only one judge. And we know who that judge is. It would be God. Now, I think everyone here would honestly agree that he would be the right one to judge. Well, for one reason, he's the one who gave the law. He's the one who said that was right or wrong. And that person stepped out of bounds. He's the one who knows all. He sees all. He knows the heart. He knows the motives. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows what's going to happen. And so he's the right one to do it. And besides all that, he's the best one that can help them. And by us criticizing them or speaking against that person often puts ourselves up in the same role as being a God. We're not the lawgiver and the judge and we're not God. And so again, the point is it's really unjustified and We ought not to do that, we just want to be available as God's instrument to help them at the appropriate time so that we would add value to their life. Well here's a question, All right, when is it where I can begin to judge other people? When is it wrong to do it? When is it right to do it? Now I'm going to go through these seven and I'm going to go through them quite rapidly. What I've done for you is to give you a list of verses so that you on your own in your own quiet time can go through these verses. Should you do that, let me encourage you to do more than just the verse I gave you. Read the chapter ahead of it, the chapter after it, understand the concept of the book, and it will give you a whole lot more nitroglycerin behind that verse of power and understanding. But let's begin. When is it wrong to judge others? It is wrong to judge others, first of all, when I'm practicing the same sin. Let me read to you the verse. It says this. You, therefore, have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge others... You're condemning yourself for you who, pass judgment, do the same thing. Now, we know that God's judgment on those who do such things was based on truth. So when you, a mere man judges, puts a judgment on them, and yet you do the same thing, do you think you'll escape God's judgment? Obviously not. Simply stated is this. When we begin to judge other people, we have to be very careful because often it seems like that when we judge someone, what we see wrong in their life it's already wrong in our life. I don't know it's because we're so familiar with the sin ourselves, we're living in this own problem issue that we're able to see it in other people. That's not necessarily so wrong when we see it in other people because it might be able to be a motivator to us. Ooh, look what they're doing and, and I, I've got this in my life and I see how it's hindering relationships. I, hear, I see how it's hindering their walk with God and man, I don't want that to happen to me and so I humble myself and I do business with God in this issue. But unfortunately, our, our Our nature takes over and we now say, they're doing that. And so they shouldn't be doing that. And all of a sudden, again, we get our eyes off our problem and back on them. And so if we want to have real integrity before we ever think about going to someone else, let's personally humble ourselves and let God and us work it out so that we would have victory in that area. And victory is easy to have with the Lord. Number two, it's wrong when it blinds me to my own faults. Matthew 7 verses 3 through 5. I think you knew this one was coming. Let me read this to you. It says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you can see clearly to remove the speck that's in your brother's eye. Now most of you know my sweet wife and she is a doer task type person. There's no task. Carol would paint, she'd saw, she'd hammer, she'd fix things. She'd, that's just Carol. But let's say one day Carol is working with a saw and in the midst of doing the saw she gets a little bit of sawdust in her eye and so she can't get it out and it's really bothering. It's getting all kind of you know ooey gooey kind of thing and she comes to me and she says hey I got a speck in my eye. How easy do you think I could really help Carol if I come up to her with one of these things sticking out of my eyes. All right? And I'm now trying to take it out of her eye. Now you know how ridiculous that is. But there are a lot of people that they think they can see the problems in other people when at the same time they've got their own plank in their own eye. And maybe it would do all of us a great deal of service if we would accept the fact that people are at different stages of growth so they've had little victories but God's not finished with them yet. So we're going to try to be as humble and as available as we can to be the right person, the kind person that will speak grace and truth. But when we do, we're going to want to make sure that we've taken all the sawdust and all the planks out of our life, we're working on our life, that we can come alongside and help them. And perhaps then we'd have a lot more energy, creativity, and joy as we see the, our planks coming out of our life so we'll be able to help someone else with their life. All right, let's look at number three. It's wrong to judge others when it makes me draw conclusions based on outward appearance. Now, Jesus was really speaking to these guys a lot about himself. But here's what he says. Stop judging by mere, by mere appearance and make a right judgment. That's a neat verse because it's not condemning judgment. It's just saying if you're going to judge, make it to be a right judgment. One judgment is when we get so legalistic and we're going to be so righteous and we're going to be so much on thinking we're on God's side and we begin to really condemn the other person. They should know better. They had all this and we really go after them. That's going to be called judgment on legalism. The other side that's wrong is when we begin to judge other people merely on appearance. We don't know what's going on in their heart. We do not know what their motives are. We hardly know them. But if we see certain things about them, we just think they must be very godly because they carry the right Bible. They must be very godly because they come to church every Sunday. That's judging them on appearance. Sometimes when we see them do something that's wrong, all of a sudden we condemn them based on their appearance. The clothes that they wear, how they act. And so God says, be very careful that we don't just judge them merely on appearance. Here's number four, all right? The fourth time, when I condemn someone before I hear the facts. How many of you have found yourself making a judgment, an analyzation, and a criticism on someone only to very shortly hear more facts about that situation, and then have to eat humble pie. We don't know if that's ever happened to you. It happens to me. I'm telling you, this is one that I need to learn. Now let me speak to this issue. Most of us in our world, when we hear a lot about the legal profession, sometimes we get a little frustrated when there's a court case going on. It's actually going on. And we think, it takes so long. When are they ever going to get this thing done? I know that's pretty hard in our legal system, but think about it with me for just a moment. Why does it go on? And I don't judge attorneys and all that, but for a moment, why do you think it goes on? Often it takes so long is because, first of all, they want to make sure that the right Evidence is brought into the case. Then they have to question the veracity of that evidence. Then they have a witness. They have to check the facts about that witness. What his motives were? Did he really see what he saw? Is he really giving the facts as he seen it? Who else has seen it with it? Ba- bottom line is this. They, in the legal profession, are trying to establish, in the midst of all of this confusion and the nature of people not telling the whole truth, they're trying to find the truth and the facts. It might be good for us sometimes to accept that legal profession standard and before we place a judgment on someone, to spend a lot more time doing the research behind it to fully understand what's going on before a judgment would be called. And frankly, if we did that, we probably would get worn out and give it all up and say, God, you know what? You're the judge. You take care of them if we did that. Let's look at this verse here. Nicodemus who had gone to Jesus earlier and it was one of their own number asked, talking to the Sanhedrin, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he is doing? So the point simply being this is, the truth is established with two or three witnesses so make sure that you hear all the facts. All right, Number five, when is it wrong? When I judge someone on the basis of their outward religious observances. And, of course, there's many passages about that. Sometimes we look at their outward life and we judge them based on that. And God says, that is so wrong to do and we ought not to do that. And I hope that we don't. But let me read to you Colossians 2.16. It says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat, drink, or regard to religious festivals or a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things to come. Really, however, reality, however, is found in Christ. I really like that verse because it talks about us not judging another person based on diet or drink or days because that person is beginning to sort out his own walk with God and learning who he is. It's almost like two guys that go to an I Love My Church banquet and one guy's at the banquet and he's just chomping down on this huge turkey leg and all the stuff is dripping off and he's enjoying it. And there's a friend next to him who's a vegetarian. And he says, how in the world can you eat that turkey like this? I'm a vegetarian. And the guy still has got pieces of meat hanging out of his lips. And he looks at his vegetarian friend and says, you know, I thought all vegetarians were kooks. And this guy over here says, and I thought all you guys that eat turkey, you're kooks. And all of a sudden, a fight breaks out. You know, we have a young lady in our church here that eats more vegetables. In fact, she's a vegetarian. She doesn't do it for spiritual reasons. She doesn't think she's better than any of you that eat meat. In fact, she encouraged you. If you came to her house, she'd probably make you meat because she loves you. But the reason she doesn't have meat, not because she's goody-two-shoes or because she's healthier than you, it's because God gave her a body that cannot eat the meat and some of those dairy products that the rest of us have. Now that woman has got it right. But those who might judge that person you then would have it wrong. And that's a small part of a bigger principle. And that simply is judging someone else based on the outward signs of their religious convictions and observances. Let's look at number six. Six out of seven of when it's wrong to judge someone. It's wrong when it causes me to speak evil of another Christian. When I begin to speak evil, really of anybody, but particularly of a brother or sister in the Lord. Let's look at the verse again. We've already read it, but look at it. It says, Brothers, Do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. Here's my point. Do you see that phrase that says speaks against the law or speaks against his brother? Do you know that word speaks against is often translated differently in the New Testament? And it's a word we hardly use, but we know it's a very important word. It's the word blaspheme. So it says anyone who blasphemes the law or blasphemes his brother, that's what it means, evilly speak against them. It's really wrong to do that. And we need to be very careful that we don't speak evil of a brother or a sister.
0: You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear.